0: Open your eyes, there's something more, it's the fuel behind every success story, it's the first few letters on a page, it is key to progress, revealed by the spirit, and without it as people perish. What's your vision? Your city? Your nation? Technology? Culture? Or the arts? Vision for your life. Good morning, Influence Church. How's everybody doing? Oh man, you thought we just came off of Thanksgiving week. How's everybody doing? Is the, what is that, Tectophane or whatever that is, that chemical in turkey, is it wore off yet? Or are you still eating leftovers? I said to somebody, I was like, I, you know, I think I ate enough that I could like fast for two weeks, but then every time I walk by the refrigerator, I'm like, the fast is over, (laughs) right? (laughs) Did you have a great Thanksgiving? You did? You did? Who ate too much? All right. All right. Well, who's ready to eat spiritually? Amen. We're in the right place. We're in the right place. Well, I'm excited to be here today. Uh, Pastor Phil and Pastor Tammy are in a little bit of a reprieve, and they'll be back here next weekend, so I have the honor of stepping in and bringing you the Word of God this morning, and I've been praying, and I've been preparing, and I know God is in our midst to meet us here. How many of you appreciate that worship? Was that not amazing? Thank you so much. (laughs) Worship team, most importantly, the presence of God is here in our midst, and I didn't tell them what I was preaching on today, but that last song, did you like that new last song? Like, it was my sermon in a song, so... Amen. Let's go home, right? No, 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 no. (laughs) You're not getting off that easy. (laughs) Well, like I said, it's an honor to be here. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a great time in the presence of God. Have you ever, has something ever, have you ever done something in your life and it didn't end up the way that you thought it would? Ted, Ted, just this morning, he said to me, my salvation was easier than opening up this communion packet. It was easier to come to know Jesus Christ than to open this communion packet. It didn't go the way that he had thought, right? <laughs> he was still fumbling over it. Shh, I could hear him back there. Did you even get next service? You can say your next service. I think you can take it. <laughs> I'll tell you a story. Something that, something that happened in my life that it didn't go quite the way I wanted it to. Actually, I'll tell you. When I moved to California, it didn't go the way I wanted it to. I was planning on coming here in 2008 and going to Vanguard taking two years of Christian leadership and ministry and heading back to the East Coast. It didn't end up the way that I thought it would. And now I am, actually, I sat down at the dinner table uh, for Thanksgiving dinner, and I said to my amazing in-laws, the first Thanksgiving that I spent there with Connie and Tino, I was not part of the family I don't even know if I was dating Erica at the time, and uh, this year, I got to sit at the Thanksgiving table with uh, my in-laws, and it had been for 10 years, I've sat at that dining room table for Thanksgiving, so I love my, I, my in-loves, right? Have you ever heard that term, my in-loves? But it didn't go the way I expected it to. Another time, I was actually, something happened to me, I was at Disneyland, and who's ever been there with, like, small kids, Right? <laughs> And there's a rule we have in our house when we go to Disneyland, as soon as you start whining and complaining, we're going home. We don't take strollers because I think the, the tram is actually an anti-stroller device to keep people out of Disneyland with strollers. I think it's a conspiracy to make more money. So you have to rent them when you get there because you're like, the, you're like the person that can't get the door open with the stroller and the kid and you're like fumbling over all of these things. So we're at Disneyland and when we're with Abby and River and we're walking around and I've been there all day. And it was actually for Abby's birthday. And I'm, you know, my back is kind of hurting because we've been lugging kids and lugging things. And I'm, I'm at the, uh, what is it, where Winnie the Pooh is? Is that Critter Country? Yeah. Critter Country? Yes, Mark knows. He was, a, he was an Imagineer for years. Yeah. So I'm at Critter Country. And I'm downstairs underneath the cafeteria. we just eaten lunch. And, or it was kind of like a late dinner uh, or a late lunch, early dinner. And like I said, I'm, I'm feeling a little stiff. And so I was walking up the steps from the restrooms down there. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to stretch my legs a little bit. And I thought, you know what, I'm just going to kind of like go three steps and then I'm just going to stretch. And so as I did, I went, and I was like, and I felt this cool breeze where I didn't want to feel a cool breeze. And I'm like trying to pull my shirt down. And as I reach around, I realized that yes, the backside of my pants is missing now. I don't know what happened to it. I looked on the step, it wasn't there. And I said to Erica, I was like, Erica, I think I just ripped the backside of my pants out. I go, can you look quick? She looks, yep, you did. I was like, we're in like the farthest part of Disneyland, away from the car. And I've got to walk back to my car with no backside in my pants. I can tell you this, my shirt was not long enough. At least I felt that it wasn't. I mean, I stretched that thing. And I, we actually went to Winnie the Pooh ride and I sat down. I'm like, this is embarrassing. It didn't end up the way that I thought it would. You know, we were just out for Abby's birthday and the next thing I know, it didn't go the way that I thought it would. How many times in life does something happen and it doesn't go the way that we planned it? Even with God, even with God, things can happen sometimes and you thought it was going to end up this way and it doesn't end up that way at all. So if today I could title my message, I would title it, A Vision in the Divine Delay. A Vision for the Divine Delay. What do you do whenever the means comes in an unexpected way? Those circumstances that just don't seem to be normal. It doesn't end up the way that you thought it would. So that's my title for today. Let's pray and get in God's word. We laughed a little bit. Now let's hear what God has to say. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for the honor of being here in your presence, that you've been able to look down through the pages of history. You saw us here today. God, you've chosen us. You've ordained us. You would desire for us to bear fruit So, Lord, I pray that in the ears of the hearer today, we would hear what the Spirit of God is saying to us, Lord, in our heart, that it would become actions, that we wouldn't just let it go to the wayside, but that word would be sown and would produce a bountiful harvest. Lord, I would even supernaturally, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, say a supernatural harvest of a hundredfold. God, and we thank you for this season of thanksgiving, Lord, where we've been able to be just grateful for your abundance, but God, most importantly, your spiritual abundance. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. So speaking of things not turning out the way that they thought, the disciples, uh, my portion of scripture today is from John chapter 11, and it is going to be verses 1 through 44. So do you like reading? Because I'm about to read it all. (laughs) No, I'll spare you that. I'm going to go down through these verses. Please go home and read them. There's a lot more in this that I'm going to be able to touch in the next few minutes. Uh, But I'm going to jump up into John 14 first, and because as Jesus is with his disciples, he's getting ready to transition. We're going to rewind a little bit and get back into John 11. But things weren't going the way that they thought they were. And Jesus actually said this to them in John 14:19 and 21. And it says, in a little while longer, the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live, you will live also. And at that day, you will know that I am in my father and my, and you in me and I in you. And he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and I will manifest myself to him. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Amen. We live in a period of time where God has invited us into a relationship with him and his disciples were having a hard time dealing with this thought of Jesus laying his life down and leaving. And this verse I shared uh, before I get into John 11, I want to give you this picture from Job 14, six through nine. I actually shared this a few, a few weeks ago and, uh, What do we do in the midst of circumstances that don't go the way that we thought that they would? And Job paints a picture of this with this portion of scripture about a tree that gets cut down. And it says this in Job 14, six through nine. It says, for there is hope for a tree if it is cut down. Now, how many of you know, I grew up in the woods. If a tree is cut down, the only thing I'm thinking that there's hope for it is like a piece of furniture, a building right a tree is cut down for an intent but this isn't what the this isn't what the author says about this for there is hope for a tree if it is cut down that it will sprout again did you hear that that it'll sprout again and its tender shoots will not cease though its root may dry, though its root may grow old in the earth and its stump may die in the ground, yet at the scent of water it will bud and bring forth branches like a plant. Now, I've got here, I, ch- I tried to find a stump. We live in Orange County, and there is not many stumps around. How many of you know what this is? Hourglass. This is an hourglass, right? What do you do in the waiting? Do you sit here and watch this? That's, this is actually an hourglass. I timed it yesterday. It is one hour and one minute worth of sand going through a little tiny hole. All right, but back to this. I'm just trying to clear off my table. So I couldn't find a stump. So we have these cool furniture. We have these cool little pieces of furniture around here at the church. They're like actually a stump, all right? And, you know, I remember when I was growing up, we had these big oak trees on my, on my parents' property. They're still there. Some of them have died and they fall down. Some of them you got to cut down because they're unsafe for the buildings that are around it. If they fall over, it could crush anything. And I remember when we would cut these these trees down, the stump would be there. And it was kind of like a useless thing in your yard that you had to keep mowing around. It's like, man, if this stump could just be gone, I wouldn't, I could just run my tractor, my mower right through this. I wouldn't have to go around and I wouldn't have to weed eat it. I could just go right through it. And I remember there were two ways you could get rid of a stump. You pay somebody to bring in a stump grinder and they bring in their big truck, and they grind the thing out or you let it rot. And talk about waiting. Do you know how many years it takes to see a stump rot in the ground? It could take decades for this thing to rot to the place that you could actually go out and move it, that the roots would begin to decay to the point that you could actually bump it and get it loose and get it out of the way. But the Bible says that this stump, there's actually hope for it because at the scent of water it will bud and bring forth its tender branches. At the scent of water, this actually the scent of water means the humidity in the air. Something happens here in the atmosphere where there's been a change that there's humidity now and it causes something to happen down here in the ground where something starts to germinate. Do you see that? And in the midst of the germination, it keeps growing and growing and growing until finally this sprouts and brings forth new life. Change. What do you do in the midst of hopeless situations sometimes if you get stuck just looking at the dead stump? What's our vision in this situation? Do we keep just looking at the dead thing? Or do we actually look for the change in the atmosphere a supernatural change in the atmosphere up here. And what does the Bible say? As it is in heaven, so be it on earth, that something starts to germinate and bring forth life. So I want you to keep that picture in your mind of this branch, a change in the atmosphere, because many times what's happening, God's trying to give us a vision, a greater vision for something that he's trying to change in our lives. When we hit those moments where it doesn't seem to go quite the way you thought it would, you need to look toward what God is doing in your life and see what the atmospheric change is and then what God is trying to germinate in your life to spring forth something new. So in John 11, it starts out that there's a certain man who was sick. Now, I need, a, I need some help up here. Pastor Drew, do you mind being my, my certain sick man? You look pretty healthy today. Your voice is great. Can we give it up for, for Drew as he comes up here and helps us? So he's going to be our certain sick man. And don't worry, I didn't want you to have to lay on the stump, so I brought you this comfy bed. Are you want to lay right now? Yes, you, you can lay right I'm now. sick? You can, well, occasionally, like maybe, a, <clears throat> yeah, that's good. You're good. You're sick. Okay. That'll be the end of that. No. <laughs> there was a certain sick man. Now, when you look this word up, sick, it means to be weak, feeble, Something was draining his energy. He was sick. He had an infirmity. Another word for this is disease. If you look that word disease up, it actually means dis-ease, the lack of peace. This man was sick, weak, feeble. In your lives today, I want you to, from here on out, I want you to to see that thing that you're going through in life that maybe not be there Maybe you didn't think that it would be there in your life, but I want you to see it as an opportunity for God to show up and show you something supernatural in your life. Because this man was sick; he was weak. What are the weak things in your life? What are the areas that need to be strengthened? And you've tried to strengthen them on your own, but I'm telling you, what happens is God. There are things in our life that we come against. That I believe that they're there for the reason that we have to lean into God and see Him do something supernatural. There are things, weaknesses, certain, and, and I, it gets it gets on the borderline. I don't want to say ailments, but listen, you've got to see past it to say, God, what are you doing in this? And what is the opportunity of a supernatural God showing up into my life and partnering with me to accomplish something amazing, something new, new life springing forth? So this man was sick, and the Bible says his name was Lazarus of Bethany. So Lazarus of Bethany. Lazarus means the one who God helped. God is helping uh, it's actually from the Old Testament Hebrew word Eleazar. How many of you know that was an important name in the Hebrew? So this is kind of like the Greek, uh, the Greek name of Eleazar was Lazarus. And his name means the one who God helped. Can you see what God is doing in this already? There are situations that we need to see God help us. And apart from that, we won't see the perfect will of God. But as we lean in and say, God, this is the opportunity for you to show up. This is the opportunity for me to press into you and see you move mightily. So here's Lazarus. He's of Bethany. Bethany means the place of dates. Also, I don't know why. So Bethany, please don't, and actually it's pronounced a little bit different. We in the King James call it Bethany, but it's actually like Bethanea. So Bethanea is a town and it means the place of dates, the place of despair and the place of misery. Like I said, please don't be offended. <laughs> you are definitely not that. Is, is not Pastor Bethany amazing helping us out with so many things? Thank you so much. She has lived up supernaturally to what God has her name for, not what. So this place means, listen, can you see what's going on? What are the, what are the things in your life that, that are despairing, they are maybe even a bit depressing? They cause a bit of misery in your life. Those are the things that you've got to see God help you in. Seeing God show up and do a supernatural miracle in your life. And so he's from Bethany, this place of despair and of misery. And so Lazarus, as he's there, the Bible says that he's sick. He has a sister Mary and a sister Martha. And it jumps ahead and actually says, this is the Mary that was the Mary who came and anointed Jesus' feet. So if you know anything, John 11 is not when Mary had anointed Jesus' feet. That didn't happen until John 12. But because it was such renown, the story was so renowned in biblical times that they, John, referenced it earlier to say this is that Mary. This is the same one. And I, that's so important that you hear that because this is a group of people that Jesus loved. This is a group of people that God loved. And sometimes we think that because God loves that we, are, we don't go through trials and tribulations. We think that. That's not what the word of God says. Jesus actually said, in this life, you're going to have trials and tribulations, but fear not. But fear not in the midst of trials and tribulations. Sometimes the world looks at at Christians and says, oh, they're those Christians and, you know, nothing bad ever happens to them. Trust me. That's not true. Those who Jesus loves, we go through tests and trials sometimes. And actually, Peter said, count it a joy because in these things, your faith is being tested. Your patience is growing. Have you ever, have you been joyous in the midst of those trials and tribulations? Have you been, have you been joyous in those things that make you miserable and can cause you to be depressed a little bit? Listen, I, this is, this is the attitude that I have to sometimes check my own self in life. God, where's my attitude at? Am I allowing you to do something supernatural in the atmosphere that God is in and that I'm desired to live in that I can see something germinate here on earth that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. All right. So Lazarus is sick. Assume your sick position? Sick here. No, no. Sick down there. So, Lazarus, Lazarus is sick. The Bible says that Mary and Martha they send to Jesus. He is, he is uh, a journey. I almost wore a today. It's a good thing you didn't. Good thing you didn't rip your pants out either when you were worshiping. I've been there. <laughs> so, Lazarus is sick. And they the sisters send to Jesus and they say Jesus the one you love is at home sick. And the, what Jesus says next is pretty amazing because in the midst of our problems do we bind ourselves to the problem? Do we bind ourselves to the promise? Because Jesus when he hears that Lazarus is sick he said this, the sickness is not unto death but for the glory of God and that the son of God may be glorified. So he hears, Lazarus is sick. Now, in my human mind, when I send for Jesus to come help, I see Jesus beating feet to get to, to me, right? That's in my human mind. That's what I would like. Maybe you would be with me in that situation, and when you send Jesus, I need some help right now, guess what? What do you do when Jesus waits? Because Jesus, it actually says that when he heard about this, he abided in the town that he was at for two days, for two days. And then it went on to say that it was, it was Mary and Martha and Lazarus that he loved. So if you didn't catch that he loved this group of people before he declared the promise, it's actually stated even after the promise so that you know that he really loves these people. Can I tell you sometimes what we think is the problem is actually not the problem. There's something bigger that God is working on. There's something bigger that he's trying to do in our life. And he's trying to do it in a bunch of people that are around us. So what do you do when Jesus waits? Sometimes I've got to ask myself, what is Jesus doing when Jesus is waiting? You know, I think of like when Elijah was dealing with the prophets of Baal and he said, maybe your God has gone to the bathroom, right? Maybe your God is on vacation. Maybe your God is too busy dealing with somebody else. That's what Elijah was taunting the prophets of Baal with. And sometimes we ask ourselves, what is Jesus doing when I don't hear him answering? What is he doing? I'm going to tell you that in a minute. You have to wait. Sure. What do you do when Jesus stays? This word that is used here that he abode or he abided in the town for two days is the same word that, he, that John uses in John 15 where it says, abide in me and I in you and we will come make our home in you. That same abiding. Can I tell you, when you're waiting on God, it's different. it's, it's different than doing nothing. Did you hear me? Waiting on God is different than doing nothing. Waiting on God is not lazy. And it's amazing that he uses the same word that he actually asked us to do later in John 15 when he says, abide, make your home in me. And when you're in that place, I will make my home in you. We will make our home in you. So waiting on God is different than being lazy and doing nothing. What do you do when you have to wait on God? Do you bind yourself to the problem? All you can do is talk about the problem. Well, if this didn't happen, if that didn't happen, if I didn't have this, if I didn't have that, if this sickness wasn't that, do I bind myself to the problem or do I bind myself to the promise? Remember, Jesus said, this sickness is not unto death. This sickness is not unto death, but it's it's gonna be for the glory of God. And in that place of glorifying God, it's gonna glorify his son, Jesus Christ. Can I tell you what the glory of God has to do with? The glory of God is when the word is proclaimed and sinners understand that it's for them. That's glory. When you bring somebody to church and all of a sudden they say, I don't know what's different about this, but I can sense the presence of God. When somebody comes into your midst and says, I don't know what's different about you, but I can sense the presence of God. That's the glory of God, resonating from your life. The word of God that has been sown into your life and it's activated in you and it, it emanates from your life. That's what Jesus was saying. This isn't about the sickness. This is about God's glory. That thing that you are, the problem that you have in your life, sometimes when you say, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke this thing, I resist this thing, get this thing away from me. If that thing is still there, you got to realize, God, you're doing something deeper in me and you want more glory from my life. Jesus is going to be glorified through this and he said, it's not until death. He's still sick for two days. I should have put some makeup on you, like a little, little green tint. So, as he's there, Lazarus is sick. He's waited for two days. Finally, Jesus says, All right, come on, boys. We're going go to we're gonna go down to Bethany and, and we're going to wake up Lazarus. He actually says to his, his disciples, Let's go. Let's wake up our friend Lazarus. You know, this word friend has been used before with Abraham, the friend of God. This word has been used in reference to when Jesus says, greater love has no man than this and that he would lay his life down for his friends. He said, our friend Lazarus is asleep. And the disciples go, well, Jesus, I don't know if you haven't read the headlines lately, but they desire the Jews are gonna stone you. And Bethany is just like the neighborhood over from Jerusalem. And so his disciples are actually concerned. Can I tell you sometimes those that you would even expect to know what God's will is for your life? They have no clue. They have no clue. The disciples are surrounded by, they're in Jesus's presence and they're telling Jesus, don't go. And then they actually say, oh, and by the way, he's asleep. He's gonna wake up again. Don't worry about it. That's that's all the more reason we shouldn't go down there. We don't need to get our nose into any of that business down there. Sometimes the people you think in your life that you would understand would have a vision for you have no clue. That's why God wants an intimate relationship with you. So now I'm not counting on every person to give me a prophetic word to help me to direct my life, but now I'm counting on the presence of God to direct my life, and now I just am affirmed or confirmed by whatever you would speak to me. Amen? Because the disciples had no idea. They're like, Jesus, don't go. They're gonna stone you. You're gonna die. And then he goes, and plus, you said he's only just asleep. Like he's going to wake up in a little bit. That'll be even better. We don't even have to go anywhere near. And Jesus said, and you know, he's trying to be kind of, you know, kind of glorious with his language. You know, hey, he's just asleep. You know, he's going to wake up then. And finally he goes, guys, he's dead. (laughs) Like Lazarus is dead. And again, you have to ask yourself the question, what are we going to do? When it's not turning out the way we thought it would, what do we do? And the disciples kind of hang their head down and they're like, oh, let's go down and die with him too. Like, did they not know what the promise was? Did they not hear it? That this sickness is not unto death, but it's for the glory of God and that the son of God would be glorified. They're with who? The son of God. And he's trying to do something bigger, and they're just raining on his parade, turn after turn. Don't go down, they're going to stone you. Don't go down, Lazarus is just asleep. Don't go, up. Oh, well, you're going to go, we might as well go with you. We're all going to die. If you go down, we go down together, right? Yeah. <laughs> you say it would be better. They were singing that song to Jesus as he was deciding to go to, sorry, the, some of the millennials caught that in here. <laughs> <laughs> I need to think of a good joke for our amazing older crowd in the room. <laughs> all them are giving me some, some eyes right now. I'm just going to look here. And so Jesus actually says to his disciples, he said, is there not 12 hours in a day? This is 12 hours of the daylight, the work light. Because remember, he just heard him say, well, we're all going to go die together. So he goes, is there not 12 hours in a day? And they're probably like, yeah, there's 12 hours in the daylight. He said, okay, so the one who walks in the daylight, he doesn't stumble. That's pretty good advice, right? We didn't have a little iPhone. You know, the other day, uh, I was walking. It was actually at the Women's Conference. Who's excited about the Women's Conference? I'll tell you, this message is real in my life because here's what happened. I was walking into the kids' ministry room right before the Women's Conference, and we have this amazing black painted stage in there with black carpet, and the lights are off, so it's black. It's black, black, black. And I come in, and I've got an old iPhone 10, no, S-E, yeah, they all made fun of it for the longest time. And I was like, well, it fits in my pocket. So I've got my phone and I'm walking in the dark and I'm in a hurry. And I, my, my flashlight won't come on. Has anybody ever, you know, talk about things turning out a different way. You know, you get the phone, you hit the, you hit the little quick, the quick little button and it's supposed to turn a flashlight on quick. Well, I do that. Draw my phone, I'm taking big strides, and all of a sudden, my flashlight's not on, and I'm, like, frustrated. I'm trying to put my thumb through the screen at the same time that my left foot hits the stage, and all was not the same at that point forward. I take a sprawl across the stage, and something in my hip goes, and I'm like, oh, Lord, 37. What? 37 years old, I need a different anointing for my life, because I don't stretch quite as easy, and... Uh, I, I'm laid out on the stage because I was trying to walk in the darkness with no light. Jesus said, 12 hours are there, is there daylight, so walk at that moment because you're not going to stumble. But to the one who walks at night, he's going to stumble because there is no light in him. And now for the longest time I read this and I thought, Jesus, like, what are you trying to talk about? Like, that's obvious. Like, yeah, back then they may have had a lantern or a candle or something like that. They didn't have their quick little iPhones. So yeah, they wouldn't want to do that. They didn't have flashlights but what he was talking about was the 11th hour of his ministry. Jesus is in the 11th hour of his ministry and he's telling his disciples, I will not lose focus. You distracting me, I will not lose focus in what God has called me to do. This sickness is not unto death, but it's to the glory of God and that the son of God may be glorified. In his 11th hour, when most of us, and Jesus even warns us about this, I really believe that we are in the 11th hour right now as the church. And he said to those who are watching and waiting when he returns, those will receive the reward. To those who are waiting on his return that when he comes to the door and he even, you can almost like maybe even hear him at the front door and he says to that person who's waiting on me, that's the one who's rewarded. We're in the 11th hour church. What are we gonna do when when we have to wait? Are we gonna keep waiting, abiding in him? Are we gonna lose heart? and bind ourselves to the problems and the situations and the circumstances that we may find ourselves in the midst of. Or we wait on God and say, God, whatever glorifies you and whatever brings your son glory, that's what I want to be a part of. So he's in the 11th hour, and he's telling his disciples, I will not get distracted. This will not let me, I will not be lazy in this situation. I remember my football coach when I was in high school, you know, they tried to do this little fourth quarter replicate thing where they would, you know, they would would run us up and down the field and they would, you know, we would do, we would do. Uh, have you ever done suicides? They would do like across the field, they would go hash mark to hash mark. So it would be hash mark back, hash mark back, the whole length of the field and back. And then the coach would go, well, that's only the first quarter. We got to go another quarter. And so you would do hash mark, hash mark, half field, back. And then another one, and another one. And then it would go, oh, it's only the fourth quarter. And you're like, <laughs> because the coach didn't want you to get to the last minutes of the game and cop out. How many of you saw that game last night? what is it, LSU and Texas A&M? What was it, nine, seven, seven overtimes? I guarantee you the coach was like, thankfully we've done our training this week because you don't want to give up in the 11th hour. And Jesus said, I will not give up in this 11th hour of what what God the Father is wanting to do. And so the disciples remember that they said, well, he's just asleep. And so finally, Jesus says, no, no, Lazarus is dead. We must go. And then they said, well, if you go down, we'll go down with you. And in verse 15, Jesus actually says, and he says, for their sake, for their sake, this is going to happen that you may believe. In the midst of the situations and the circumstances we find ourselves in life, what are we we gonna do? What are we committed to? Are we committed to the problem or are we committed to the promise? Because Lazarus is, Lazarus is dead. That's now known. But the promise has also been stated. And so what are we going to do? And Jesus said, "I. this is happening so that you may believe. Because can I tell you that Lazarus was sick and now dead, but there was an infirmity that was infecting them, the disciples. There was an unbelief. There was something that was wrong in their lives. And even to the point that we're going to find out here shortly in Mary and Martha, that as Jesus starts to come on his way, and can I tell you the reason Jesus had to wait two days is because I don't believe Lazarus would have died if Jesus would have been there. There's nowhere recorded in Scripture that anybody dies in Jesus' presence. So for this for this to happen, Jesus had to abide. So Martha comes; she hears that Jesus is on her way. Jesus, if you would have only been here, my brother wouldn't have died. I mean, talk about how do you blame Jesus, right? Has anybody else done that? Uh, pff, I've been there, but it, you know, it, it hurts a little bit more when you hear somebody else doing it. Well, oh, Martha, how could you blame Jesus? But we all do it every once in a while. If you would have only have been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus goes into this amazing discourse about him being the resurrection and the life. And he said to her, and he said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live again. Did you hear that? The promise Further declared by Jesus is that he is the resurrection. Can I tell you, Jesus, his name is above every name, every tongue will confess. And every knee will bow at the lordship of Jesus Christ. And he says, I am the resurrection. This is, the word resurrection means to cause to rise again, to stand up again. I am the one that comes in and things rise up in my presence. I am the resurrection and the life was what Jesus said to him. And actually, when Mary found out about this, uh, actually, when Martha found out about it, she said, well, we know that, we know that Lazarus is going to uh, at one day rise again. You can almost hear the sadness of her heart. Like we're not going to see Lazarus again anymore. Like you can see the dark view that she has of this situation. And can I tell you, what do you do when Jesus delays? Have you made yourself ready for when he comes into your presence that now you can find yourself in stride with him? Or does he have to do a little bit of extra work to get you yeah. caught up to where he's at? Because he says, I'm the resurrection and the life. And her reply is, well, we know that in, at the end of this world, at the end of this age of time, that Lazarus again will rise again. And Jesus says, no, no, no. I am the resurrection and the life. This is going to happen so that you two may believe. But can I tell you today, God wants to do something in our lives. Maybe there's some dead areas that need need to rise up, you need to know today that Jesus Christ is the resurrection. Something has to die before it can be resurrected. You can't have a resurrection without a death first. Did you hear me? That thing that you thought is dead in your life, if you see that through the eyes of God, see him resurrecting something in it, right? Nothing happens for no reason as a follower of Jesus Christ. The righteous, their steps are ordered by God, if we believe that, then we have to know that everything we come in contact with from this point forward, God is doing something in the midst of it. And what am I going to partner with them about? Am I going to complain about it? Am I going to murmur about it? Oh, Jesus, if you would have only been here, Lazarus wouldn't be dead. And Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Now check this. We got to finish this out quick. So Jesus comes in. Martha leaves the conversation with Jesus. She goes and tells Mary, Jesus is on his way. Mary is sitting. Can you see? Uh, this isn't any different than the way that they are because what Martha was busy she was the busybody. Mary was the one that was sitting guess what she's sitting she finds out that Jesus is on her way she springs up and she runs towards the presence of God she runs towards Jesus and she says the same thing if you would have been here my brother wouldn't have died how many of you know there was a conversation that happened before this conversation happened where the both of them said well if Jesus would have been here this wouldn't have happened did you hear that who are you in agreement with The promise was that this is not unto death, but this is for the glory of God. And so Jesus comes in and he says, where have you laid him? Where is the body? Can I tell you there are things that God wants to do. There are things that God is doing and he wants to continue to do and he wants to see them to the fullness in your life that only he can do. Through your obedience, your pureness of heart, and your faith. And your faith, God will accomplish his perfect will in your life. But it takes you partnering with him in it because he comes. He's Jesus. He knows where he created as the word was spoken. It went forth and created. Every, he knew where every nook and cranny and crack was in this earth. And he says, where have you laid Lazarus? He asked them because he left up to man what man had to do. And he left up to him what only the supernatural could do. Who are you partnered with? And so Jesus says, where have you laid Lazarus? And you can see the grief that he faces here. And not grief as in like a tear, but grief as in putting his own spirit in check as he goes into this situation. And he says, as he gets there, he says, take away the stone. And they roll away as they're about to. Mary says, Jesus, Lazarus has been in the grave for four days. He stinketh. again. (laughs) You sinketh. No. As again, you can see his grief and his humanity in this story where he again has to put himself in check. Remember, he's in the 11th hour, and this is actually going to be replicated in his own resurrection. So if he, I believe if, if, if this didn't work out that way, where would we be at today? If it didn't work out this way for Mary and Martha, where would they have been when Jesus was in the tomb? Do you hear that? Where would they have been at when Jesus was in the tomb? They were faithful, they were pure of heart. There was nothing that could. There was nothing. They were committed and faithful to Him, because they had been through it once time, one time before this. So they they rolled away the stone from the tomb, and Jesus said, "I thank you, Father, that you heard." My request. See, when he was back in the town abiding, he was actually praying. He said, Father, I thank you that you've already heard my request. I didn't hear him pray before this, as he was on his way. When he was abiding, I I believe that what he was actually doing was praying and interceding, getting in the presence of God so that in the eleventh hour he wouldn't miss stride. And he actually said, Father, so that they believe, so that they believe. I thank you. He, he was in a place of thanksgiving. Because he had already put in the time waiting on the Father, seeing what the Father was doing, making sure he didn't miss stride. When we're in the midst of waiting on God, what are we doing? Are we just watching the sand fall through the timer? Or are we actually in God's presence saying, Father, what are you doing? I've got to see what you're doing. I've got to see. The problem is, seems to be the obvious thing. The thing seems to be dead. But i got to see what's happening in this atmosphere up here so that it starts to germinate something in this down here. And God, that I can see your will done in my life. Do you hear that this morning? Because he actually, Jesus said, I go back to the Father. Excuse me, I just choked. I'm trying to talk too fast. We got we got to go. He said, I go back to the Father. Because when I get there in Romans chapter 8, he said, I will be at the right hand of the Father making intercession on your behalf. See, Jesus, though you may not be able to see him, he is interceding for you right now. He's interceding that if you don't know him, that today you would come to know him. He's interceding that if that, thing, that problem seems to be the only thing that's in front of you and you can't see anything else, he prays that you would get a vision from heaven, that you would have a dream from heaven to see God do something supernatural in your life. He is making intercession on your behalf today, right here and right now. Well, you're here. He's there making intercession for you right here and right now. And so he says to him, "He roll away the stone. And he says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus stood up, you're no longer sick, you're no longer dead, you're rising up. And he said, come forth. No wait, you can go. He said, Lazarus, the one who God helps, guess what? You can't get yourself out of that situation, but come forth. God wants to help you. He wants to partner with you. But remember, what you can do, God wants you to do. Your obedience, your pureness of heart. God, what is your desire in this situation? Because sometimes we can push for our will to be done. But he didn't say your will be done. He said, God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So I believe that today there's some dead things in people's life that you would hear God saying to you, arise and come forth. He speaks your name. The one who God wants to help. Arise and come forth. And he comes forth and he says, Take the grave clothes off of this man. He is bound head and foot by death. And Jesus says, Take off the grave clothes. He doesn't need those anymore. He is alive and well. Can I tell you today, with every person standing, I don't know what delay you seem to find yourself in. I don't know what delay. But I feel that God's saying to us, there are some things that we have, we have counted impossible for him to do. See, they, resurrection was out of the question for them. But Jesus who comes as the resurrection and the life is the same Jesus that's here today to resurrect things in our life. The Bible says in Romans chapter, sorry, Galatians chapter two twenty that I'm crucified with Christ and nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. There are some things in our life that God wants to resurrect. Now, can I tell you? The enemy wants to resurrect some things too but he has no resurrection power. He only has what we allow him, what we give authority, but what we give to God and what we stay focused on him, God wants to resurrect some things. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe this message spoke to you this morning. Maybe you need God's resurrection power. He is the name above every name. He came and said, peace to the storm. He let the blind, he touched the blind eyes and they were open. He touched the leopard and they were cleansed. He said to the dead man, come out of those grave clothes. And so today the same is in your life, whatever that is, I want you just to, as an act of faith, maybe even as an act of surrender God I well, I desire to to have a pureness of heart that I would see you God and I desire to be loyal to you if that's you I want you to lift your hands up in the air God you see us today Lord whatever those dead things in that are in our life, those situations and circumstances that didn't play out the way that we thought that they should or that they would. But God, you said, if we would believe that we should see the glory of God, Lord, that we would see the glory of God in our lives. God, as we humble ourselves, as we commit to you today and to this day forward, Lord, I pray for any person in here, if you, the greatest act of resurrection in a life is when you come to know Jesus Christ that you lay your life down and you say, Jesus, I am yours, I want to live for you. Maybe in this place we have some who have their hands raised. Maybe you're somebody who would want to say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. I want the greatest act of resurrection as I would as I would be a dead person away from God, separated from him, that today I would become alive in God through Jesus Christ. If that's you, I want to pray with you this morning and I want all of us to pray with you. But if that's you, I want you to slip your hand up in the air real quick if that's you you want to know Jesus Christ today there's several hands if that's you keep your hand up high keep it up high keep it up high I want to pray with you this is the greatest act of, of resurrection power right now dead things being made alive you are separated from them but right now God is making you alive I want you to pray this with me and all church pray with me Heavenly Father I think we can do better than that Heavenly Father I thank you that you loved me so much you love the whole world so much that you sent your only begotten son, that whoever would believe in you would not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus, today, I believe in you. I am yours. You paid the price for my life, and I give it to you. Jesus, make me a child of God. I thank you that as your word says, if I confess and I believe that I become a part of your family. In Jesus' name.